Welcome to the Richard Roper Podcast. I am Richard Roper. Thanks, as always, to everybody who's been listening and downloading and sharing and telling your friends about the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. As we speak here, we're just uh, learning of um, the deaths of two show business figures. One who is an icon who'd been around for decades. Another, a promising young talent who is just starting his career. We're going to talk about that. Um, We're also going to look at uh, a lot of new stuff coming out. We're going to have reviews for you. And we're also, I got a a list here, guys, of all of the shows that are going away in 2023, whether they've reached their logical conclusion, they were planned for just a couple of years or they were canceled. It's quite a list. So all of that and much, much more right here on the Richard Roper podcast. First, want to remind you, the Richard Roper show is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's online business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business's success because they believe that today's online world is your online opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. So we want to talk a, a little bit about uh, first uh, Pee Wee Herman. And uh, for folks who don't know, Paul Rubens is the, the name of the, the immensely, enormously talented comedian, writer, actor who became, of course, best known for Pee Wee Herman. The story, uh, I think, it took a lot of people by surprise because uh, Pee Wee Herman and again, Paul Rubens, uh, Paul had been sick for, I guess, six or seven years. Uh, but it, he had kept that private. It reminds me a lot of um, a situation with the late, great Norm MacDonald, who had been sick for about 10 years, but only a very, very few people knew that. And Norm just continued to work. And it, it's an interesting thing when you're a public figure. You have every right to keep your illness private. Chadwick Boseman, who was you know very young when we lost uh, a great actor, had uh, kept his illness private. When you go back and look at some of his later work, it's pretty obvious that he had been uh, dealing with a lot and had lost a lot of weight and was sick. Uh, But this was posted on Paul Rubin's Instagram right after his death. It's something he had written a few days before he died. And he wrote, please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing these last six years. I've always felt a huge amount of love and respect for my friends, fans, and supporters. I've loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. So he was 70 years old, Paul Rubens. One of the things I noticed was on Twitter and other social media, you know, he worked with so many people, uh, great comics, actors, writers, because he did a lot. We're going to talk a little bit about about Paul Rubens' career uh, beyond Pee Wee Herman in just a couple of minutes. But time and again, people talking about what a lovely soul he was, what a wonderful man, uh, generous uh, so many people mentioned specifically that on their birthdays, they'd get like a whole series of uh, gifts or gifs, whatever you call them, and memes and texts and wishes and things that he just delighted in celebrating other people's birthdays. If you weren't around when uh, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, uh, first hit, I cannot overstate what a sensation he became. Uh, he started his career in the 70s. He was with the Groundlings. That's a famous uh, improv troupe. And in 1980, launched the Pee Wee Herman show, which was this fictional character. He was, it's hard to describe him. I know most people have seen him. You know, of course, Tim Burton did the great Pee Wee's Big Adventure. There were different, uh, uh, the Big Top Pee Wee was the follow-up film. 
Uh, there was Pee Wee's Playhouse, so various iterations, but it was always Pee Wee who was kind of a man but a child at the same time. And just there was a little bit of an edge always to it and this uh, subversive nature, but then also just this kind of beautiful, unvarnished uh, silliness. I, I want to mention quickly because I think it's a, it's a footnote in his career. Of course, people know he was arrested. Paul, Paul Rubens was arrested for indecent exposure in 1991. And I thought, you know, listen, obviously not a good thing, but it became this huge, huge scandal. And it really, I thought, you know, set back his career for years unfairly, but eventually uh, he did make a, a comeback. But in addition to playing Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens was really, you know, first of all, when you create a character like that, it is a double-edged sword because that's what you're always going to be known as. Uh, but, you know, he was in, I, I think one of my favorite performances, uh, he was in uh, the uh, crime drama Blow. Uh, that's a Ted Demi movie with Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz from early 2000s. I think 2001, he played a pot dealer. He was so good of, in that. He was actually the father of the penguin in Batman Returns, one you know key scene. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. He had a recurring role on Murphy Brown. Uh, he was on 30 Rock, Pushing Daisies, so quite a career. But what I want to do here, guys, for you is play a clip. Uh, this was uh, Carl Reiner, the legendary Carl Reiner, was doing one of those things, where, you know, presenting uh, young comics. So this would have been, gosh, whew, 40 years ago almost. Uh, at least 40 years ago, actually. But this is one of Pee Wee's first TV appearances. Let's take a listen. Okay. Well, well, like the man said, I've only been doing stand-up for a couple of weeks now. So I hope you don't like tonight I'm going to be tape recording my act. And this way, when I get home, I get some sort of an idea of how good I did. Okay? Okay. practicing something at home. <laughs> okay. But, but, but can be... <laughs> okay, shh. <laughs> okay, I'll wait. <laughs> okay. But, many comedians have what is known in the industry as a bag of tricks. And here's one right here. So... <laughs> tonight by doing a little bit ventriloquism for you by bringing out my friend Alan the Alligator. Okay, this right here is his friend, another alligator, and he says, Okay, alright, this right here is my little peewee says alligator, and he says, Here's my little alien doll. Watch this. Here's how he says hello. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. This is right here. Is my outer space ray gun. Listen to this. Listen to this one. Electronic dog spec, and here's how he says hello. 
Shut up! Okay, get back in the bag. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear some hot dogs. Okay. Uh, I, I would like to bring to the stage at this time. The, the... Such a real laugh, man. Okay. Okay. The, the, this, this right here is my little. hypnosis doll, Dr. Mondo. Why don't you say hi to everybody, Dr. Mondo? Hey, everybody! <laughs> okay. Okay, all right. Okay. It's just so funny. You got to go to YouTube, too, and just watch the... Uh, because he was a physical comedian, and obviously there were visuals involved, but in that particular clip to the audience, the laughter, the amount of laughter and the, the level of it, you know, the, just seeing something unique and different and just being blown away. So, uh... Thank you to Paul Rubens for such great work and such great art. Rest in peace. Uh, Paul Rubens was 70. Around the same time we heard about the death of Paul Rubens came the shocking news that Angus Cloud had died. Now, Angus, uh, if you saw, if you watched Euphoria, you know that he played uh, the drug dealer, Fezco. Fez, as they called him. Uh, he was just 25 years old. As of this podcast, cause of death has not been determined, but obviously at the age of 25, uh, you know, and Angus dealt with a lot uh, with mental health problems and, and other things and had just, um, I know he had just lost his dad and people said he was distraught about that, but 25 years old. And it was interesting too, because a lot of people felt he was just playing a version of himself on Euphoria. Well, actors have, have done that, of course, forever. Uh, developing a persona, but you know, he actually, I think he went to school with Zendaya and actually studied and just because it seems like you're playing yourself doesn't mean that there's not, you know, real acting going on there. Um, he had also been in a couple of films and, uh, was recently, uh, cast in a horror movie from the directors of Scream 6. Uh, he was in a lot of music videos. I, I thought, you know, Euphoria is a is a, sometimes a tough show to watch and has been polarizing, but there's there's a lot of brilliance there, a lot of darkness, and a lot of stylized uh, visuals. But at the heart of it, it is a show so much about the pressures of being young, and how many so many unfortunately so many young people escape into addiction and other self destructive uh, behavior. But even though, yes, and Fezco's, the, the character of Fez is a drug dealer. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, not a great guy, as society would uh, certainly portray. But somebody who also had a deep sense of loyalty, also was extremely funny, and was very protective of Rue. And uh, I want to play a clip. This is a, a confrontation between uh, Fezco and Nate. And there's a, this is actually just brilliant acting. Hello, Fez. What's up, man? Yo, can I get uh, two of the rolling papers too, bro? Yo, man, I don't know what's been going on with you, Rue, and Jules and shit, but you should know, I really do care about her. Aren't you like a drug dealer? Nah, man. Are you in a relationship? Nah, bro, that's like my family. So it's platonic. Look, man, all I'm saying is leave her and her friends alone. Or what? <laughs> 
we're not going to be having this conversation. Fesco, let's get this straight. You dropped out of school at 20, and now you're a gangster. Are you like fucking Tony Montana? What's the plan? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Listen, bruh. I'm saying, you keep fucking with ruining their friends, and I'm gonna kill you. It's gonna be 575, Playboy. Just very sad news. Angus Cloud, just 25 years old. So, man, tough stuff. Tough stuff, guys. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit before we uh, take a break here. I, I saw this list and it kind of struck me uh, as we're in the middle, of course, of the writers and SAG strike. Um, it struck me like the amount of content that's out there, guys. And I do my best to keep track of as many streaming shows and movies as possible. But there literally aren't enough hours in the day to watch everything. So this is a list of all the shows that are ending, uh, have been either canceled or wrapping up in 2023. And again, in some cases, it was the decision of the showrunners. Uh, you know, this was enough that they, they reached the logical end. In a lot of cases, uh, these shows were canceled, you know, and even on cable and streaming there are ways of measuring popularity and, and sometimes people get very upset and I don't blame them when great shows are canceled, but if a not, not enough people are watching them and especially a lot of shows are really expensive these days, they just can't justify it. So uh, we'll start off with broadcast ABC, Alaska Daily, uh, which was a show where Hillary Swank played the newspaper reporter who had had a scandal or, you know, kind of a, a big career setback in New York city. And then she went to work for a small paper in Alaska I thought it was a really good and accurate and fair depiction of life in a newspaper. Of course, because it's a TV show, there were a lot of crimes going on and a lot of big mysteries for such a small town. But Alaska Daily was has been canceled. Big Sky, which is a show that was very entertaining, especially in its first year, and then, you know, became more and more ridiculous. But I, I really love the cast in that. The Company You Keep. The Goldbergs. Now, there's a case of a show that was, you know, very successful for a long time. And then there was the all the controversy and scandal with um, Jeff Garland. So they, they, they tried to continue, but it, it had come to its conclusion. Uh, CBS shows East New York, NCIS Los Angeles, uh, True Lies, which was a high-profile uh, reboot of the famous James Cameron movie with Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, CW has said goodbye to Gotham Knights, Kung Fu, Tom Swift, Walker Independence, The Winchesters, Fox 911. That's been picked up by ABC, but Fantasy Island is gone. That was another show that had been out in the 70s, and then they tried to redo it. Over at NBC, they said goodbye to American Auto and Grand Crew. And Magna P.I., another show that was a reboot of a show from long ago. Then you go over to streaming and cable, shows like 61st Street, The Mosquito Coast, Physical. Uh, Disney Plus shows like The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, uh, Willow, a big high-profile production that just did not resonate with enough people. Uh, FX said goodbye to Reservation Dogs, a great show. Perry Mason not coming back to HBO. I know a lot of people love that, but for whatever reason, not coming back. Uh, Max, formerly HBO Max, saying goodbye to Avenue 5. Gossip Girl, another show that had a previous iteration. Pennyworth, another show that people loved, is no longer with us. Netflix saying goodbye to 1899, Big Mouth, Bling Empire, The Chair, many, many others. Mindhunter, now there, there was a show I thought was absolutely brilliantly done. People loved it, uh, but a very expensive show, and I think that's the main reason why they didn't continue with it. Uh, Sex Life, remember that one? That was like, man, that was, man, that was a racy show. 
Uh, it got, I think it had two years. Uh, Paramount Plus saying goodbye to Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, which was really well done and clever, but just didn't connect. Uh, Hunters on Prime Video, Three Pines on Prime, uh, Prime Video going away. American Gigolo on Showtime with John Bernthal. Of course, that was a reboot of the Richard Gere movie. That's gone. The L Word Generation Q. Again, the L Word. We've had various versions of it. And even Snowpiercer on TNT. That's a, that's a partial list, guys, of all the shows that are not coming back, uh, that are saying goodbye in 2023, which just tells you how much content is out there. But I'll tell you this. As we speak, looks like they're going to go back to the bargaining table and, and get serious because the last few weeks there has been almost no progress made uh, in the Writers Guild and SAG strikes. And we're starting to see, first of all, the Emmys, which were going to come out in September, which are going to be broadcast. But the nominations came out, but they've pushed the Emmys back because, you know, the way this works is the actors and writers won't do anything to promote anything. So you won't see them even for stuff that's already been done. Uh, finished products they're not promoting movies uh they don't they won't promote anything that's on streaming and they're not going to go to an awards celebration in the middle of all this so they've pushed the emmys back to january and that you know that really sucks i think too for a lot of you know if you're a first time emmy nominee you're so looking forward to that so hopefully they'll have the full ceremony and not just hand out you know mail people their trophies at some point but we're seeing a lot of movies being pushed back we're seeing a lot of TV shows that are not going to happen or at least going to be delayed a long time. Uh, for example, I'm here in Chicago where they filmed The Bear. They filmed, obviously, they finished season two and released it uh, right before the strike. Right around now, they'd at least be gearing up to start filming season three. They haven't even got had a chance to write the script. So, I mean, definitely, I can tell you for sure, Bear, uh, season three of The Bear is going to come back. But it's going to be a long time. There's going to be one of those 18-month deals like they used to have sometimes with Game of Thrones just because of the production involved between season two and season three. So, again, hoping they can resolve that sooner rather than later. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we got some reviews coming for you. All right, it's time to tell you about Portillo's, the greatest single fast casual cuisine experience you're ever having, ever in your life. Let's talk about the hot dogs and all the famous Chicago ingredients. They'll do it for you so you don't have to worry about getting it wrong. That includes the poppy seed bun. Then we could talk about the Italian beef, the sausage, and the fries, the salad, the chicken, you name it, all topped up, of course, with the legendary Portillo's chocolate cake. It's fast casual. That means it's better than fast food. You can sit down if you go to one of the restaurants, but it's still super casual. And you can order anywhere in the country via Portillo's.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Once again, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Ask your friends from Chicago about it, Portillo's.com. I want to start by telling you guys about a movie called Dreamin' Wild. Hey, brother. Joe? I got something to tell you. Dad had a call yesterday from a guy at a record company. He says he heard our record and, uh... Our record? What do you mean? Dreamin' Wild. Great to meet you. I wanted to talk to you about this. There it is. It's Dreamin' Wild. That's you guys? Yeah, that's us. This album is unbelievable. Truly. It really just 
blew my mind. New York Times wanted to do a story on you guys. Are you kidding me? And now he wants it to be the kickoff for a tour. It's so weird to have this now. I'm not sure what to do with all of it. I have spent my whole life trying to make music. It's just fun for you. It's not just fun for me. I'm just sorry, Dad, for putting you through all of it. You're my son. I would have gladly given up all the land just to hear you play. Which is kind of one of those titles where you're like, what? What does that even mean? This is really interesting. First of all, it's really well done. But I want to tell you guys a little bit of the backdrop of this film. It's a, it's a really warm and lovely and uh, extremely well acted story. Uh, but it's based on a true story. And I did not know this story, even though it had been out there. I have to admit, I did not know about this uh, until I started doing some research into this. This is the fictionalization of this real life story. So in 1979, two teenage brothers, Donnie and Joe Emerson, they lived in the Pacific Northwest. They had a little nice studio built on, their father built it on, they had a, a huge farm up there and um, their dad was very supportive and said, all right, boys, you you know, they got you got some talent. Uh, so they, they recorded an album in a home studio and it was, and they actually got a, a record deal and it was called Dreamin' Wild. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of buzz about it, but nobody bought the album. These kids were like 17 and 16, I think, 17 and 15 at the time. So the two brothers kind of just went back to their lives. Um, Joe Emerson uh, built a house on the property, you know, just took a normal job and was pretty happy that he was the drummer in the band. Donnie was kind of the genius, if you will, that wrote and arranged and did all the songs. So Donnie then uh, you know, he became... a ran a small recording studio, got married and had two kids. He would play in cover bands and that was their lives for 30 years. And then, and again, this all happened in real life. A record collector you know, in one of these old uh, record stores found the album, Dreamin' Wild, and loved it. And then went online, this is around 2010, I want to say, uh, went online and talked about it. Then it got a review in Pitchfork. And then it just started picking up this huge viral buzz. And all of a sudden, people wanted to hear Donnie and Joe Emerson again. And they actually had a chance to re-release the album, do concerts, and become not a huge sensation, but actually had this amazing second chance. And that's what the movie's all about. Uh, Casey Affleck and Walton Goggins play the two brothers. And uh, they're great. Bo Bridges plays their father. Uh, Zoe Deschanel's in there. It goes back and forth between depicting the kids when they were teenagers and then uh, their real life, uh, a fictionalized version of it, but the real life now where they had a chance to re-record it. Uh, just really well done. The music is terrific. Great performances throughout. So this is what they call the smaller movie. But guys, if you get a chance to check out Dreamin' Wild, it's really cool. I uh, also want to mention, and this was a series that really a lot of people loved it, and I'm count me among them. It was called Winning Time, and that was the uh, the series about the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, with you know, all the great teams with uh, with Magic Johnson and Kareem, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, they really it, uh, it's an amazing story, and they did such a great job with the series because it it's based on true events, but they shot it with 1970s and 1980s level cameras to give it that kind of cool look there was a lot of uh, adam mckay was one of the people who was involved with that a lot of breaking of the fourth wall fun use of graphics they realized that this is an incredible story but also like sometimes really kind of like slick and you know 
almost cheesy and a lot of crazy characters and uh, they did a brilliant job. Uh, they cast mostly unknown actors as the famous basketball players. And listen, listen, you're not going to find someone seven foot three to play Kareem. You're not, and most of the actors, they're not the six foot eight of magic or six, eight of James worthy, whatever. They figured out a way to approximate uh, the basketball scenes. There were, they, there was the use of risers. So the guys would be taller. Uh, obviously you could do all kinds of things with camera angles, but they did a great job of recreating what it was like to be on the, uh, those Lakers teams and their opponents, Dr. J and the Philadelphia 76ers. And then uh, of course, Larry Bird and the Celtics. So now we've got uh, season two of winning time. Season one uh, covered Magic Johnson's rookie season. It basically covered one season. Of course, it was an incredible run. And uh, Magic, be, you know, had this incredible NBA Finals after Kareem got hurt. Magic played center and had a game, one of the great games of all time. And they, spoiler alert, you know, they, they pulled it off. They beat the 76ers. This is now going to cover four years, season two, and really concentrate a lot on the Larry Bird rivalry with Magic. And, and also, uh, another great thing they did, I mentioned they don't, most of the actors playing the players are not well-known, which is good because they're playing people who are famous. Everybody knows Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, et cetera. The casting of the behind-the-scenes characters is brilliant because you get John C. Riley as uh, Jerry Buss. You've got uh, uh, Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley, Jason Siegel, Tracy Letts, Jason Clark, all these world-class actors playing, you know, the likes of Jerry West and different Lakers coaches. So winning time season two, it's seven episodes so it's a little faster paced even than the first one, believe it or not, uh, and really moves quickly, but it's great. I, they could just keep doing these because there's a lot more of the story to tell. I hope they do. My friends, the future of sports is purple and gold. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Woo! Magic and the Lakers are back to defend their title. What a time to be alive. How about this for a headline? The greatest who ever lived is a goddamn Celtic. Ain't nobody scared of Larry Bird. Sit down there, relax. Put on a show just for you. It's about winning. Win on three. One, two, three. Win. That is what I'm talking about. Hmm. Let's also mention um, this is a prime video series, and it's called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. This was based on an Australian debut novel from a few years ago that was a huge success and got printed in 200 countries and was made for adaptation. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is the star here. A lot of great actors. This, I have to say, is very heavy material. Uh, Alice is a young girl. At the beginning of the story, she's nine years old. Uh, she lives in a seaside home in Australia with her mother and father, and it seems at first like this idyllic life, but in fact, her father's an abusive monster. And eventually, a, a, a tragedy occurs, leaving uh, Alice alone in the world without her parents. So she goes to live with her estranged grandmother, June Hart, who is played by Sigourney Weaver. And that character has a flower farm, which is also a sanctuary, if you will, a safe house for uh, women who have been abused, battered, uh, mistreated and are looking for an escape and also a place of safety, also a place where they can work on the flower farm and 
and and get a sense of self-worth back and also a, a most important of all a support system so i will say this it's it's really really well done um and eventually ends on one of the more inspirational and emotionally uh, moving scenes i've seen in any series this year but i also want to warn folks i mean this is intense stuff there are many scenes of intense and uh, horrific uh, domestic abuse. So I do understand too, this is not for everyone. And you have to know going in, you're going to see some rough stuff. But it's eventually, I think, a great story of empowerment, of survival, of the power of love and ha having a support group. It's called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Magnificent work by Sigourney Weaver and the entire cast. I know you said not to contact you. And I know how angry you must have been when you left. But there's things you need to know, Alice. Things I can't leave in a message. When I was little, everything went up in flames. What the hell happened out there? Alice is my granddaughter and she will be living with us from now on. To Alice! All this time, you lied to us. How could you? I just promised I'd keep her safe. Can we do that, Twig? Okay. Let's wrap up this edition of the Richard Roper Podcast. Thanks, as always, to everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys soon.